Hello and welcome to this episode of Radio Free HPC. This is the show where we talk about supercomputing, high-performance computing, and other tech topics. I'm Dan Olds, joined as always by our co-hosts, Henry Newman from Seagate Government Solutions, Shaheen Khan from Orion X, and Jesse Lanham, our millennial standout co-host. Now let's get to the show. Hello, everybody. We're back with another episode of Radio Free HPC, and this will be a scintillating one. I'm Dan Olds. Well, I'm always Dan Olds, but I'm joined by Shaheen Khan down in the valley. How you doing, Shaheen? I'm doing great, Dano. Things okay down there? Yeah, things very stable, very persistent. Very good. Very good. And Henry Newman is speaking from his survivalist compound in Las Cruces, New Mexico. <laughs> it's actually Messia as a repeating that again, Dan, one time sooner or later you get it right. No. I doubt it. I think actually I'm gonna go with Las Cruces just to bug you. You're lucky I'm not saying it's a suburb of Albuquerque. You know, he still calls Jesse a millennial. That's true. And Jesse's not with us. She is uh, still at officers uh, officer candidate school for the Marines. OCS. OCS. So she is getting plenty of exercise, plenty of yelling at, and probably learning quite a bit. This is the whole drill sergeant thing, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Think of officer and a gentleman times 10. Oh, my. Yeah. So good luck to her. Um, but why is this show so scintillating? Because we have a special guest. It is Christy Mann from a company you may have heard of, Intel. Intel? What Intel. do they do? Uh, processors, CPUs. Ah. And they have a reasonably large market share, as it turns out. Who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? Just a small little company up here in, here in California and Oregon, just struggling to get by. <laughs> I think there are other places too, Dan. Uh, yeah, they're in, in uh, Arizona as well, I'm sure, in Israel. Mm. Didn't they start out doing memory? They did start out doing memory, but that's mm. what we're going to talk about with Let's Bring Her On, Christy Mann. Yay! Hey. Hi, guys. Hi, thank hey. you for having me. Welcome, Christy. How are you today? I'm doing great, and I'm in Portland, Oregon, in case you wondered. We have an Intel there, too. I'm going to bet that you're probably more like Beaverton or Hillsboro. Are you That's living exactly in Portland? right. I do live I'm, in Portland, but it's on the in the Beaverton side. Yeah, yeah. I'm calling Beautiful. from the Tron myself. As we call uh, it, God's right? country, Beaverton, Oregon. Yes. Why do you call it yes. the Tron? Uh, Beavertron. Beaver, I see. Yeah. So, Christy, you've got something to do with computers and such, right? I do. What are you doing now? Well, I am working on Intel's new memory technology. It's called Optane Persistent Memory. Hmm. Tell us a little bit. All right. If you don't know what it is, persistent memory is a product that's a little bit like memory a little bit like storage, but it's unlike either one of them. And what I mean by that is you take some of the best aspects of memory, which is its performance, its speed, the fact mm -hmm. that it sits right next to the processor and that it's byte addressable. You combine that with some of the best elements of storage, which would be the large capacity, the lower price, and the replication and durability. You bring all of that together into this product that sits on the memory bus and you have persistent memory. And that's your Optane Persistent Memory. Yes. Hmm. So let's dig into this a little bit. Just how fast is this memory? Well, it's a complicated question with maybe a simple answer. So okay. 
And the reason it's complicated is that it isn't a direct replacement for memory. It's a, it's a cache-based architecture, and it needs memory in the system to go with it. Uh, so it needs you, DRAM. It does. It needs DRAM. It okay. And when you put these in the system together, you have a, an application performance because there's also a software component to this. So when you put them all together, we try to target to be within 90% of DRAM performance, uh, but at a much lower cost. And there are some applications where you actually see better system performance than what you had to start with because you have more capacity. So, so Christy, uh, if it's 90% of the performance of DRAM, what are the reasons that DRAM, you don't replace it in many cases? Well, the performance of the product with that cache-based architecture means that you use the DRAM for the fastest, hottest data, and you use the persistent memory for your capacity tier, but it's sitting between that and your typical storage tiers. Oh, okay, so it's 90% of the performance for a set of applications not running out of uh, Optane memory. It's 90% of running out of DRAM. Right, so let me let me talk a little bit more about, I think sometimes when you say 90% of DRAM, you think that that means that you're always going to be slower than DRAM. The way that I like to describe it is we, we're familiar with storage caching, right? We've done that for, for many years. And so you put an SSD ahead of tape, or you put a super fast NVMe drive ahead of a standard uh, PCIe drive, and you use these different tiers to maximize your performance. We're now adding a new tier, and this new tier has really good latency characteristics. So now we're talking about you know less than a microsecond or 100 for 100 gigabyte. And this new tier gives you another option for where to place data. But either the processor has to place the data, or the application has to process the data. And if you have the application placing the data, that means that the software has been optimized to know what to do with it. Because this, like I said, this hasn't existed for the last 50 years. Can I bring us back a little bit and uh, just a basic question? So yeah. is there a difference between NVMe, flash, persistent memory? Are these all the same technologies? Mm -hmm. Or are we are actually talking about different technologies that have different labels on them? That's a great question. So persistent memory fits in a category of memory that we call emerging memory technology. It's different than storage class memory, but a lot of people confuse it or call it the same thing. And it's also different from the NAND-based. Let me tell you what makes it different. I, I think that's a good place to start. So for the last 10 years, Intel and Micron were partnering on a revolutionary material. We call it the media. Um, that is probably the biggest piece of the innovation in this solution. That media is something that compares to some other medias that you might have heard of, like SRAM, mm -hmm. RERAM, phase change material, STT spin torque, those types of technologies. These are emerging memory medias that have the ability to be persistent. But what Intel did is they then combined that media um, with a dim form factor and a new DDR protocol so that you can plug this media onto a dim into a dim slot and then talk to it like it's either memory or storage. Now, the difference. It, it gets all the bandwidth of a dim slot then. It does. It does. Okay. Yep. And you don't have to pack things up into blocks and then run over the NVMe bus to go get them and then unpack them again. Um, so you save all of that file system latency. 
And the other interesting thing about this material is that you can write in place. And so there's no need to do garbage collection. You don't see the right amplification that you would typically see with NAND. And it's biodegressible. Like I said, you get to bypass that, that file system overhead. So that's when you end up, if you're comparing it to a storage use case, you see 10 to 100x performance improvement by having your data right there in the memory and being able to work on it. Is it really byte addressable or do you have software on it that does the translation? No, it's really byte addressable. So it's actually a 3D crisscross array and each individual cell is addressable. So what application changes do you have to make because you have memory hierarchies and you probably want to keep your maybe your code in DRAM and then your big area or do you use it like a virtual address space? Right. That and, and this this comes to the root of when we talk about software optimizations. This is one of the things that is very impactful about both the ability to adopt the technology uh, as well as the uniqueness of this solution. So the, the product itself is optimized to be able to run in multiple modes. We have one mode called memory mode. And in that mode, you don't have to do any software optimization. You just have access to the larger capacity. But in that case, the processor is deciding where to place the data. So part of our memory controller sits in the Xeon processor and part sits on the DIMM. So with, with no modification, you can plug it in and start to see the benefits of capacity if you were capacity limited. But mm -hmm. if you were latency or bandwidth limited, you really want to consider moving into what we call our app direct mode. Now, app direct means the application itself intelligently places the data so that the ones that are used most often are in the DRAM and the ones that are not hit as often and it's a little bit warmer or cooler in, in that context is, is put in the persistent memory. And it's, it's the optimization for AppDirect where we're needing to build the ecosystem. So, you, you know, you might hear us talk about our partners like SAP HANA, mm -hmm. um, Oracle with Oracle Exadata. Those, those partners have already optimized the application so that the users don't have to. But if you think about the sheer number of applications and usages out there, uh, it's going to take years for us to be able to hit the whole market. It's a shift, right, in the way that we do things. So in the meantime, that's why we have memory mode, so that you can at least get the partial ability of it. I'll also mention that when it's in memory mode, it's not persistent. So that's oh, really? the other thing is storage capability, um, knowing that it is a persistent copy of your data. When you say it's not persistent, that means you can't count on it being persistent or that, in fact, it is not persistent? Well, it means when you power off, it goes away, right? Exactly right. Wow, I should pay you for that. Yes. I know. <laughs> well, and that, that was going to be my next question because persistent memory and persistent things, people, you know, I was looking at, for example, carbon tube memory, and everybody I know wants to encrypt that. So that was, that was an important question. I've got a question about sparse matrix arrays for this because this seems like a really good use case for sparse matrix. Are you thinking about things like uh, compression in this memory and other technologies uh, to add to it to, to actually make it even bigger than it is? Let's see, the, the best way to answer that, num number one, I don't have a PhD in um, software development. And so the, the way that we approach it strategically uh, is that we have an open source set of programming languages that we've aligned on in the industry. And it truly is open source. It's not just that Intel 
has something that anybody has access to, we've actually worked through the SMEA body uh-huh. and we've worked on a set of programming languages for persistent memory of which Intel is just one type. So for example, in NVDIM, if you follow these same programming rules and, and languages, it will work for an NVDIM as well. And in the future, any other kind of storage class memory um, that, that you use. So that's the first thing is that we've taken an open source approach to how we enable it. And then we spend a lot of time building libraries and APIs that people can download to help speed up their adoption. And we do that based on what our customers are asking us for. So for example, we worked with Twitter on helping to optimize some of their code for their database Pelican. And you can see that uh, one of their influencers, Yao, uh, thinking fish on Twitter, I think is what she goes by. Um, she talks about that journey. And so we do what we can from Intel to help provide libraries and APIs. But the main thing is that most companies, depending on what they need, are probably going to want to do that optimization. But to just kind of clarify, if you if you use it in its memory mode, you just use it. And it gives yes. you a lot of capacity at hopefully not a lot of performance. And the main benefit is cost. Exactly. If you use it you in storage mode, right? Yeah, but but storage mode is persistent. That's what gives. You, that's where you get the well, persistence. Storage, by definition, is gives you the persistent model, so it, it better be persistent. But then for storage, it's just faster pers- storage and as it was before. Correct. Sure. So let let me correct a couple of things. So it's not called storage mode. It's called app direct mode. Oh, that's means, right. Yes, that the application is placing the data, but yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, that, that's actually a funny question. I could go into the history of this. We actually had a mode called storage mode. And um, what it turned out to be is that it's basically memory mode with persistence enabled. And uh, with, there was so much confusion within our own internal teams because everybody kept mixing up app direct mode with storage mode with memory mode that we decided to drop storage mode. You're probably going to tell me that was the wrong call, right? No, actually. No, no I think what I'm getting is that uh, you really don't have a traditional storage mode at all because it is, in fact, byte addressable. Is that correct? It can be spoken to and used as a block device. But that's because well, you just gather a bunch of bytes into a block? It's because we have app direct mode, which allows you to do either byte addressable or block addressable commands. I'm taking a, I'm taking a look at the price of this stuff. And <laughs> if I go to... Uh, you know, even Newegg, I can get me 64 gigabytes of it for 166.99. I don't think you're looking at my product. Oh, you know what? No, I'm not. <laughs> it's called it's called it's Optane, but it's an M2 drive. Yes, why do they the why do they brand it Optane then? <laughs> yeah, so that's another great question. So we have a we have multiple products in our portfolio, and so that's another thing to think about. I manage the the data center product. Mm. Oh, and, I'm seeing it now. Yeah, it's a consumer. It's a it's a product for the consumer PC market. Hundred. This is 128 gig for 842 to 900 bucks, and which is a lot cheaper than DDR4. Yes. Yeah. The comparison point that I would direct your users or your listeners to is like if you go onto Dell's website or HPE's website, you can actually see the list price for uh, a 64 gigabyte DRAM. And then look at a 128 yeah. gigabyte persistent memory, and you'll see that we're actually cheaper than the 64 gigabyte DRAM. By a right. lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you would be. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's great. So, Christy, I've got a question. When you're in app mode and you've got in your persistence, how do you deal with, you know, the snatch and grab kind of world in that people care about in the government space? Or is everything encrypted? Okay, so the, the hardware itself is that there's hardware encryption. That's 256-bit encryption on the DIMM. And that's one thing that many of our customers have said, wow, if there's one thing we can tell you that you got right, it was that. So it is, encrypt it is encrypted. Good. Um, it's also persistently there. So if you lose power, it's not lost. The distinction for why it's not persistent in memory mode is because the application doesn't know how to recover the data if it didn't place the data. Uh, so, so that's that's the real issue there. It's, so the data is still there. Is it, it is. still encrypted? Is it still encrypted? It's still there. It's yep. still encrypted. It's just that the application, okay. when it recovers, can't go get it. So we can't call. No, it that's. Persistence. But he's talking about in app mode. It's persistent. It is. And when the system is powered back on, the application knows where it is and all of that. It's yeah. in. It's in memory mode where it's not persistent because the application has no awareness right. of it when it's turned right. off. Because the, okay. because, the, because the page is for, you know, page cache is gone. So you don't know what a page is a page anymore. Yep. yep. That makes sense. That's exactly right. So how's this working out with uh, selling it and stuff? Right. Good question. Good question. That's important. So yeah. This is our first year in market with this product. Um, so we'll start there. So last April, we launched it. Most of the OEMs are now shipping it, and they were online by you know August, September of last year. And it's, it's a long journey. So I would say in the beginning, we had plans for a lot of different workload targets and markets that we were going to position in and go after. And with any new technology, you learn as you go. And yeah. you're like, wow, some things we did great. You know, some things you look at it, and you're like, this is fantastic. Um, and then there are other areas where it hasn't played as well for various reasons. I mean, the exciting part to me is that we have a long-term roadmap. We've got mm -hmm. four generations in development right now, and each generation is just getting better and better. But this first generation, I think like with any new technology, we're tracking above the standard SSD diffusion curve. That's one data point that I look at to see how we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, but it's still, it's a struggle, right? Because customers are by default risk averse for new technologies. It has a software enablement requirement. So it's, it's slow. It's fun. Can I ask on the software unveil, uh, in enablement in order to make this make software app aware, and this is going to be an answer. I'm sure it's going to be, it depends, but how difficult is it to make something app aware like an HPC application? Yeah, that's a great question. And of course, you knew I was going to say it. Depends. I know it. I knew. I knew. <laughs> so let me give you the spectrum. Um, I, you know, I would say that it depends on where each application is with its ability to take advantage of um, caching and its, its basic underlying architecture. Uh, I used the example of Twitter earlier on. That one was a very simple uh, set of code. It was done very quickly. There mm -hmm. are other ones that are much more complex. It, it took us multiple years with SAP HANA, for example. It was a complete software re-architecture. Well, that's so the way it, SAP likes to roll. They want to re-architecture re your enterprise when they come in. So, yeah, I would expect that. Right. And so with HPC in particular, I know that your audience is, is very interested in HPC. What we see there is that there's not one lead application 
that you can go after that says, oh, I'm going to hit a huge percentage of the HPC market. It's driven no. a lot out of academia, uh, government projects, and we're seeing great success with a lot of customers that are trying it in different applications, but I'm finding that it's best targeted for things like data ingest or the where you might typically have a GPU compute sidecar. Uh, mm -hmm. We're finding success in there because you can truly accelerate your storage. You Henry, what about weather for this? Oh, that's funny that you asked that. We actually are working on a POC with, with a weather company, and oh. we're seeing huge performance increases. It really, I can see this where this would be a huge benefit in the data assimilation process when you're getting all the temperatures, pressures, and velocities, all the satellite data in the very beginning, and then you're trying to organize that. This would be a huge benefit uh, because yeah. there's a, historically that's been all in storage. In terms of the, the computation of the forecast, given what I know, I don't see a huge benefit right now because all their... All the forecasts, they just divide up uh, the nodes and make sure there's enough memory in each node, and they, they scope the number of nodes to how much memory they need. But that ingest side could be a huge win. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, huge that's win. a big problem everywhere. Uh, hey, hey, Christy, if I'm adopting this just whole hog, do I still need flash SSD or can I skip that now? It depends. Yeah. <laughs> depends on my budget there or is, my There is kind a of scenario technical... where you don't even need storage anymore. I mean, let's let's face it. So I think it's going to depend on how much capacity you need. And, uh, you know, we have an Optane SSD product as well. There are many use cases when we, when we work with the customers and we look at it, there's no need to have both a, a fast storage caching tier and our, our regular uh, persistent memory. So it, it does come down to what you're trying to optimize for, whether it's cost, performance, or capacity. Mm -hmm. And as you mean, these HPC sites that we all deal with have large, large, I mean, Los Alamos has nearly uh, an exabyte of spinning disk and a big, you know, many petabytes of SSD. So the big sites are going to still have tiers. Yeah, I was going to say to Henry's question, it's actually, it segues very nicely. Um, we don't advise that you take your whole HPC compute cluster and put persistent memory in it and that it's going to replace either memory or your NAND or your, your SSDs or anything like that. What we, what we find is that because of that cached architecture and the fact that there are so many different applications run on these clusters, it doesn't make a lot of sense because some workloads might work great, some don't, and you're sharing the bandwidth with your DRAM. So I would say in the HPC space, it's really important to think about where you want to use it. And we're seeing places like, I would say, financial services in the HPC mm. space has been a, a big success for things like real-time credit card fraud detection. Mm -hmm. so we've seen it uh, also with uh, high-speed trading. They're yes. very interested in, in getting their data quickly. So I think it's going to be, for the first couple of years, a very targeted approach in HPC. And then over time, that performance variability, we're going to be working on hardware architecture changes to avoid that. By the way, if you were at HPE, you guys have been promising me Memristors 18 months for 10 whole years. <laughs> that well, my Memristors were going to be out there in 18 months for 10 yes, years. Yes, I was, I was in the workstation <laughs> business. At AT, but I'm telling you, we've been saying the same thing here. 
We're, we're like, why aren't we seeing them register? Are they going to be competing with us with this technology? So what, you know, what I would say is I think that all of these media technologies that I mentioned, including Memrister, they're all what we consider emerging. You just have to see how far along they are. And I would say I haven't seen the forward progress from HPE that I thought we would. Again, 18 months on the horizon for 10 years. Well, but yeah. it's, it's emerging, man. Yeah, you know, it hasn't it's, emerged yet, but it's emerging. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Christy, this has been fantastic. Thank you. You're a lot of fun. You really know your product, and we really appreciate you taking the time. And you're more than welcome to come back anytime. Okay. You're welcome to come back. Hey, I, I'm up mm-hmm. for it. Can I? You would come back? <laughs> of course. You, you didn't scare me off. <laughs> really? Okay. We'll okay. see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see after this gets processed. And I don't yeah. know, we might we might get up to 20 listeners with this. You never know. <laughs> but Intel has to spread this around. Yes. <laughs> That's right. With the full force of we Intel want the marketing full machine. Force of Intel PR well, we might behind just us. break 20. We might. We might. We will watch that needle. Well, thank you again. And thank you, everybody out there for listening. Stay safe, okay? Come on. Be careful out there. And drop us a line, podcast at RadioFreeHPC.com. Or you can hit us up with Twitter at RadioFreeHPC. Thank you again. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Free HPC. And as a quick note, the views and opinions of Henry Newman are his and do not reflect any policy or position of Seagate Government Solutions or Seagate Technology. Thank you for listening. <laughs>